Learning happens everywhere all the time. Hey there and welcome to the Homeschool Success Podcast. I am your host, Cami Wanis, the Freedom Scholar. My experience as a veteran homeschool mom, former public high school teacher, and mentor to homeschool families everywhere, along with periodic guests, will help you to create the homeschool experience you always wanted and your family deserves. Homeschooling is a leap of faith that can cause doubts, overwhelm, and uncertainty while trying to keep love of learning high and balance life, work, and kids. Each episode is packed with the strategies, tips, activity ideas, and resources you need to ensure your kids get a great education, create close family relationships, become good leaders, and have tons of fun. You'll learn everything from scheduling, curriculum, routines, and homeschooling multiple ages to increasing love of learning and everything in between. This podcast is different from anything else out there by also focusing on the thinking shifts that are the key to homeschooling successfully. Whether you're new to homeschooling or a seasoned veteran, make sure to subscribe so you'll gain the practical strategies and confidence you need to develop a rich love of learning culture and environment that results in passionate, lifelong learners. More than ever before, leaders are needed who have a great education and who use their unique talents and gifts to make this world better. Join me on my mission to raise our next generation of leaders through ensuring your family has a supportive and inspiring homeschool journey. Homeschooling is learning through life. You got this. everyone welcome welcome we are in live with cami with dr deanna wessa today if you're watching on facebook in our facebook group or in our youtube channel and we are also if you're watching this on a podcast we are also doing homeschool success with cami wanna's podcast so welcome everyone i'm so excited because today we are talking about teaching students with special needs and it's really really such a really big issue today because we have a lot of special needs that are being identified and a lot of kids with special needs, but also we are doing more homeschooling than ever before, which is really, really great typically for homeschooled kids. So, and a lot of things I've noticed too is students who are in Deanna and I both have backgrounds in the public education school and the system and everything. And we understand on both ends how it can help and not serve special needs children. So it's really important that we address all aspects. And we're going to talk about, not only are we going to talk about just special needs in general and the whole, like, if you think you might have a child with special needs, but we're also going to talk about like, okay, now we know, or, you know, we already knew. And how do I deal with that mentally as a parent? I think Deanna is amazing at that because she really has gotten through that in her own experience. She has researched about it and she has studied and she is has dealt with it with her parents as well that she's taught with in school. And so it's really, really, it, it's such a great 
great treat for us today to have Deanna with us. And, and then we will also talk hopefully about some strategies and practical and how do we make this actually work and get into your groove? Cause that's really the crux of everything. Like, okay, now we have something, what do we do now? Sort of thing. So, and it's going to differ for everybody, but there are some general tips that Deanna is amazing at. So Dr. Deanna is super awesome. I'm so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I am so excited. So what, can you just share with us a little bit about your background? I know you've been with us before mm -hmm. talking about reading and learning to read for littles. And if you haven't checked out her YouTube video, make sure you do because she has awesome, sweet little videos for little ones. And, um, but you have this background in teaching reading, but you also have another background in special education. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, you know, I was in the classroom for a little over 20 years. Uh, during that time, I did a combination. I job shared, but I always kept my foot in the door. Um, and, you know, at one point I only worked one day a week. I was really focused on the education of my boys at that time. Uh, so in any case, uh, you know, my experience really led me to have a heart for families that were trying to figure things out with their children. And that grew as I was raising my own two boys and through our journey of figuring out what worked for them and entering into this uh, understanding of twice exceptional, which is really a child that has a learning challenges and also overlaps with giftedness. So that became actually my passion in my research, my dissertation study. And I focused on how to differentiate, which means uh, making sure that instruction is meeting children where they're coming at. So that was my, that's my passion. My passion is to really share with families these strategies, this hope and this message. And, uh, you know, to bring encouragement to families as well. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that that is a buzzword in education is differentiation, right? It's something that it everybody just, it's always like, okay, we're going to differentiate and teach teachers how to differentiate. And I've been through those trainings lots of times. And it's really, it's like, yeah, that would be awesome to be able to do. Not super practical in a, in a regular classroom with so many students. You can do it to a certain degree, but it's very limited. Correct. And so it's hard to really meet the needs on the high end and the low end when you're constantly trying to, you're, you're trying to catch everybody at one time. And so it's really Correct. difficult. Yeah, yeah. It became very apparent through, and I remember, and, and, you know, through the process of learning about my kids and learning about this, digging deeper into the literature about students with these overlaps and these challenges, you know, I started to discover things about myself and it started to become clear to me why I went for three years from second, um, third and fourth grade without completing work. And so uh, all of these things started to really, really make sense. But what I discovered and part of my frustration would be that so much of what was being required by the district was performative, which means that it was checking boxes, but it wasn't actually addressing in a very, 
unique and genuine way. And, and, and so I had designed this process that really, really worked, but, you know, found that it was very hard to break through some of that uh, wall. This is the systematic wall that's there. So, you know, with my own boys, especially my older one, there was a time where we finally, I came to understand that even when we had him in a placement that was loving and uh, kind and, and just really appreciated his strengths, in that setting with that many students, no matter how great the teacher was, he, he was going to fall through the cracks. That was not the teacher's fault. That was not, you know, anything. It was just really that placement wasn't working for him. And that was difficult for me to accept at some point. Of course, you fast forward a, a few months into our homeschooling where we dove back into homeschooling as older uh, students and, you know, wishing that we had done it sooner, of course. And I, I share that with parents, too, because oftentimes as we're walking a journey with a child that may have developmental delays or you're starting to notice some uniqueness that you're not sure about, when you get to the answers and you start to find the things that are working, sometimes you encounter regrets, you encounter guilt. All of these feelings are very normal. You grieve uh, over the time that was lost. You grieve over maybe some of the challenges that they struggle through or will struggle through. And all of these feelings are so normal. But I really encourage families, and this is a point that I personally I came to, and I had to walk this pathway as well of th a thought process of, all right, well, you know, that was the process that we had to go through to get to where we are today. And you can only make the best decisions that you can with what you know at the time. So, you know, to really encourage families that wherever they are in their journey, you just keep moving forward. And it's hard not to look back and think, oh, I wish I would have done this if I had known that. If only, if only, you know, is a lot of the the narrative that plays in our heads sometimes as we as we navigate this. But really, to have compassion with yourself as well, because one thing I have genuinely learned about parents, the more that I work with families in the homeschool community, the more even throughout my my classroom time, you know really parents do want the best for their kids of course you know yeah. and in a in a healthy structure you know they they do and we do the best that we we can for our kids so i just want to encourage families out there if you're at a place where you're encountering this you're unsure or you're just finding things out for the first time do focus on moving forward and not being hard on yourself I love that. And that's one of the things I love the most about your messages, just the message of like, hey, let's just, let's keep trucking. Let's keep moving. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's like pull the, you know, keep, keep the train going. And I love that because there's there, that guilt, that pressure that you have on yourself, it, it definitely weighs on your kids. You know, it definitely, they feel that as well. They feel everything that you do and they know that it's there. Absolutely. And that will, I don't know about you, but it also, um, your experience, but it also helps them not feel guilty, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, they probably are like, man, I wish I, you know, sorry, I'm not a superstar, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, really, there are, you know, there's- They are! You know, there's so much, um, and, and honestly, that's a very interesting thing because there are dynamics that we, we, I call it the unspoken dialogue. And, you know, there's things that they pick up, you know, just in within different circumstances, whether it be in, in play groups or if they, they're coming from a school setting. Uh, and again, there are a lot of very genuine people uh, and we know personally, you know, that are in the school system that love children and are there for the best of children. Um, but unfortunately, some of the, I call it the classroom box, we have a lot of children that don't fit within that classroom box and they never were intended to fit inside that classroom box. And, and instead of recognizing what they bring to the table, we often, you know, find that those children are marginalized in a classroom setting, unfortunately. And that's that's not the intention of so many great people that are in this setting. It's just the way that it's structured. So, right. you know, with that, it, it, I know that some people, you know, sometimes we just have to feel our feelings. You know, it's great to say, hey, you know, we, this challenge comes with these benefits. You know, the way my brain is wired, um, you know, I can share, there's, things that are harder for me. It can be very hard for me to focus. I was 10 years old using post-it notes <laughs> to remember my thoughts at bedtime because I would get this great idea. And I mean, this was like on the nightly, okay? And I would write down my little thought and I came up with that strategy. I was I was coping. I was finding what strategies even at that age uh, to help. And I still love post-it notes. I mean, I have them right here. Uh, I love post-it notes. But, you know, the thing is, is that there are challenges and sometimes it's okay to sit in that and say, man, this stinks. This is hard. And it's okay to feel that. But we don't want to miss the fact that the way that children's brains are wired, just because they're wired differently, doesn't mean that they don't bring something to the table. And Absolutely. oftentimes those are the brains that are they're thinking outside the box and they are going to be the creators, the inventors. You know, I see that with my son. One of the best things we did was we took him out of that setting and we were very mindful to make sure, okay, what are his goals? What does he need to achieve those goals? You know, so that's something to consider if you're in the state of California, which we both are, uh, it's, if a college, certain colleges need certain types of classes. So you want to make sure that the classes that you're using meet those guidelines. So there's different things to consider. And those are all great points. But at the same time, when we brought him out of that setting, we um, for the first time saw him engage in discovering his strengths for himself. So I call us eclectic homeschoolers. We have today, for instance, is Thursday. It's an unschooling day for us. And that means that he does his volunteer. He goes and volunteers. He does his projects. But we also are making sure for his purposes, you know, and this is a case by case basis, but he does have his 
what we call school at home classes. We do some classical dynamics as well. We bring it, we've brought in over the years. So that's just to give parents encouragement as well, that homeschooling doesn't have to look like one thing for your child. That is um, to, when we think about how to approach it, look at what your child's strengths are, what are their needs, and you can address both of those things in parallel at the same time. Absolutely. That's so important. And you guys, I hope you're taking notes on this and definitely watch the replay because it's something that's really important to understand. Big picture thinking is that all kids are geniuses in their own way. And it's so true if you look back in history that all the great thinkers of the world, why well, am I going to say all of them? I'm not going to generalize, but <laughs> most of them, if you look back, were rascally kind of like out of the box thinkers. They weren't super A students. They weren't, you know, in that traditional mentality. And so when you're thinking about your kids and thinking about like, oh, they're not fitting into this box, you know, uh, the box, the box is manufactured, okay, by somebody. So it doesn't mess up. They're not, everybody's going to fit in that box. And that's totally fine. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. And that's the beauty of where you as a parent can be their advocate. And I love that, that hope in, and inspiration that your kids are absolute geniuses and focus on their strengths. And that's what we teach in the Homeschool Success Club and the Homeschool Success Mastery, which by the way, you guys, Dr. Deanna is actually one of our guest presenters in the Homeschool Success Mastery course. You're getting like a sneak peek of her huge workshop that she did in the Homeschool Success Mastery course. So you guys, the foundation of this lies in the Homeschool Success Club and in the thinking of that, you know, changing your thinking. And that's what we're really talking about. As parents, is opening up and thinking like, okay, I have the best intentions. I want to help my my child for sure, and they have genius. So how am I gonna best do that? And it could be very overwhelming because it's not like, oh, somebody writes a book on it and they say, okay, here's your manual. You know, that's that's how it goes. So in talking about that, if we suspect our kids might have some sort of special needs, let's talk about the diagnoses for a second because I know this is something we talked about in the homeschool success mastery program in the, in your workshop, we said we had a huge conversation about diagnosing or not to diagnose the pros and cons, because there are both. Yeah. And so what do you think are some of the pros and the cons of diagnosing? So when we look at the, the pros of that, and this is absolutely a case by case basis, you know, when we have a child that we feel would benefit from services or some sort of accommodations. Sometimes getting that question answered will help direct the way that we address it. But the flip side of that is, and this goes into just the broad range that we have and the overlaps, you know, I share about this a little bit too, uh, that a like ASD overlaps the characteristics can overlap with adhd and they can also be present you know an overlap in in one child we can have a child with both diagnoses however you know a lot of families find it very very difficult to get the spectrum diagnosis that can be very elusive and are and expensive right and expensive and our metrics yeah. are they have their limitations, you know? And so, you know, one thing personally that we've come up against is our son is extremely social. 
And um, that for current, you know, it is starting to change, but you know, at the, at the root of it though, we came to understand that the label in this case was less important than the way that we address it because it doesn't matter. Now, I, I wanna put that with a grain of salt because sometimes when it comes to getting certain accommodations, if you wanna get into Americans with Disabilities Act and they're gonna go into a college setting or a work environment where they might need accommodations, for dysgraphia, for instance, if they need to be able to scribe or to tape record, that might be a reason to get a diagnosis. And, and typically that's going to be, I won't say an easy diagnosis, but that's gonna be a more standardized, our experience with that diagnosis is it's much more, it's not subjective. There, there's more objective criteria that we have. Uh, so with that in mind, there are absolutely times where a diagnosis and young, although carefully considering that just because your child's not reading, I talk about this a lot, but just because your child's not reading at five doesn't mean they have a learning disability. You know, we, off, we want them reading by nine, typically developmentally speaking, uh, but there could be still a range. So with that being said, if you do suspect something, there's no, I don't want to say no harm, but a case-by-case -case basis, you know, sometimes to get that professional opinion, if you find, you do your homework and find out who you can trust uh, to give that recommendation, that professional eye on it, uh, that can be a good thing because there's a lot of developmental things that if they're not addressed early, it can be harder later on. And just to share from our personal perspective, you know, experience, there are residual things. For, for example, there were some things that we didn't get addressed. Actually, we got them addressed earlier than some, but still there had been a couple of years that went by. We were in the school system at the time. And, you know, unfortunately, there were some executive functioning, like organization skills, uh, developmental skills that he was delayed in. And some of that had to do with, he missed that because other things were so hard for him at the time. And that's okay, you know, I mean, with dysgraphia, for instance, there were some delays in, in things like grammar and spelling that were residual even when we started addressing the dysgraphia. And that's just kind of what it is when I talk about moving forward and saying, oh, I wish, well, sometimes you just can't know earlier. We don't have that manual. We are doing the absolute best. But if you suspect it, find, a, you know, ask around, do your homework, find a professional that comes recommended that it would be an ed psychologist, educational psychologist can do a diagnosis. If you're talking about uh, ADHD and things like that, it would be, you know, one option is a psychiatrist uh, that does that. And I know that can be feel a little bit uh, weird, but, you know, it's not, you know, it's really the, the functioning of the brain and talking about actually the functioning of a brain in an ADHD person. I, I got a little on a tangent, but I'm very passionate about this is that in our society, 
sometimes we hear the message, oh, that's just an excuse to not parent, or that's just an excuse, you know, there are different brain functions in the ADHD brain that we are now finding through science. And it's actually to do with the dopamine in the brain. So, you know, this isn't a debate about how you address it, but even getting into, you know, the, the medicine that is used to treat that if you go that route, which there's many different ways to address it, but that's not a sedative. It's actually a stimulant that acts different on the ADHD brain because clinically the ADHD brain is wired differently. And that's okay because there's a lot of ways they think differently in a great way because of that wiring. It's just that it makes other things a little harder. But sometimes some of the things that are harder for them are part of that classroom box that maybe they weren't intended to be in in the first place. So, but anyway, so that might be yes. a reason to diagnose is if you feel that the accommodations um, will be significant. If there's a treatment that you need and to get a diagnosis in order to have health insurance, those are reasons to get a diagnosis. If you want to talk about, you want me to go into the cons? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And well, before you do that, I definitely wanted to mention that there are a lot of reasons too, but I also know that there are times when you don't need to stress out so much about it. Yes. And it depends on the case, of course, but yes. I think looking back now, knowing more about what I do about dysgraphia and, and, um, and uh, dyslexia is that it's very, very common, like very, very crazy common. And that I actually think that probably my husband and my son both have it. But we never got a diagnosis. I never felt we needed to. Mm -hmm. I felt we dealt with it in a way that it just was, well, if it is, I mean, we're doing okay. And mm -hmm. it came Absolutely. in its own time and he's doing amazing and it totally like flourishing. And it just was something that he adapted and was able to overcome by himself and like with our help, you know, and, and not pushing him and things like that. And so it's really interesting. I feel like, and in his case, I'm glad we didn't because he's very, very hard on himself and he's mm, very, um, yeah. And and so I feel like if that would have been known, it would have been kind of detrimental to him in particular. Not every kid's like that, but but he's like I mean very self-reflective, and so that would have been it would have been something yeah. that we would have had. But saying that, the addressing of it as a parent, whether you even need to tell them about it at all or some, you know, right now, maybe later, who knows, you know, that's up to you. But, but that may be something and how you personally address it as a parent mm -hmm. is super important, you know, and I know you talked about that in the, in the workshop. Yeah, it, it is important. And there's, you know, t talking about it, absolutely like children we know our children and if we know that this is going to be something that um holds them back you know that can be and there's still ways to address it you know yes. and i think that you have to look at the spectrum one of the things and i think we've lost this in the system a bit but one of the things that i know is we look at how is it affecting their ability to access 
the curriculum or access the learning. And so, and there's ways to address it. For example, with, with our son, I mean, honestly, it hadn't even, I wasn't even there uh, knowing that this was an issue. And with that, but what things that we did to address it um, were things that you can do without a diagnosis too. So keeping in mind that there is a spectrum of, you know, dysgraphia, there is a spectrum of Absolutely. dyslexia. And so I think that you also, like you said, that the ways that you were able to address it work just fine. And he's come to a point where he is flourishing and successful and that's not holding him back. And so, and then as parents, I think we also need to know it's okay to reflect and decide, Hey, you know what? Um, I made that decision based on this, but I think we need to go a little different. Yes. So, you know, that that's okay too. For us, we did a lot of dictation. We did a lot of modeling before he was really able to fully write, you know, his own, uh, as far as letter formation was just, I mean, he could, but it was just, it was very, a very weighty task for him. So what we did is we still modeled for him the thinking of how are we building a paragraph? These are our transition phrases. We did all of those, you know, word choice and shades of meaning, all of these things we still did. We didn't wait till he was able to be independent in his writing. And that's another right. thing I want to encourage parents is that because some of that will follow developmentally, the, the, the ability can follow developmentally, but the know-how of all of those higher level thinking, we can still be modeling for our children. Absolutely. And when that catches up, they'll be ready. And so that's one of the pieces that I think is missed often um, because we get so engaged and this happens in the classroom too. This was one of my big things in my research was we focus so much on the challenges that we miss the strengths and we miss those opportunities to grow their oral language. We miss the opportunities to grow their engagement with text because we're so focused on, oh my gosh, they're not blending, you know, which trust me, I get it. I get it. I've been there with students, you know, because I was receiving that message. And um, with my own own son, you know, he was an early reader. And then when the text got smaller, all of a sudden we found uh, he doesn't want to read anymore when he got to chapter books and what's going on. Well, it turns out that his eyes weren't tracking, his muscles weren't developed. And so, you know, and that comes to also get curious with your kids. If you notice they're resistive to something and how to approach that as a parent, it's it's frustrating, right? Because especially if you're homeschooling and, you know, I, I see a lot of people have questions like my child just doesn't want to do it. And I think they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're just being, they look like they're just being different. stubborn. Right. Right. And, and, and by all means as parents, we are, you know, we are the authority. We are that foundation for our kids, but don't be afraid at a different moment. Not when you're in the midst of the crisis, you know, it's okay to, you know, we had a calming corner that was amazing. Um, that did work. Uh, sometimes moms need calming corners too. And that might look like having a coffee and watching a show on TV. I don't know, but whatever the calming corner is for, for, you know, each individual, but, um, at a later time, 
being able to circle back and say, you know, I noticed that when we do this task or we go to do this, that it's really hard for you that you don't want to do it. Can you help me understand? Like genuine, you're not being sarcastic. Like, hey, it's not that hard. What's going on? No, you like, what, what is hard about that? Because even from my personal experience, being that child that didn't finish my work for three years and I missed every single recess, but I was reading at a high school level and everyone knew that about me, but I was still being punished for not finishing my work. Um, you know, I wish that somebody had come alongside me at that time and said, hey, um, I've noticed you don't finish your work. What's 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 going on? And I would have told them, hey, I'm taking well, I didn't call it a brain break, but I'm making patterns out of numbers and making stories up about pictures. Isn't that what I thought all the other kids were doing that? I needed somebody to come and help me connect those dots right. because that was the only thing I knew as being normal. And another little insight is that things like ADHD can look different in girls than in boys. Um, and it varies, obviously. Not every girl is this. Not every boy is, you know, going to follow this exact characteristic. Path. But, you know, it was missed in me because I wasn't hyperactive. And I uh, wanted to please. I was very quiet. Uh, but yet my brain was still engaging in behaviors to help cope with being overwhelmed by a task. And so that's something also to look at, too, when we're, we're finding our children are resistive to a task or having trouble completing, whatever their smallest success point is, build two minutes. If they can work two minutes on their own, oh my gosh, yeah. celebrate it, and next time try for three. But whatever their success point is, use that as your foundation and as springboard for more success. I love that. And I, you know, we talked to in the homeschool success mastery program about the girl, the difference in the girls and boys a little bit more. And we talked yeah. about how it might, you said it might be a little more difficult to identify in the girls just in general, because they kind of mask and, mm -hmm. and just survive. Right. Correct. Yeah. I love that you guys. It's so, and so thinking about, you gave a lot of tips already, practicality speaking. So practically speaking, what else can we think about as far as, okay, we we're trying to get into a groove. Now we're trying to figure out how to schedule and, and like really make a pattern that works for our kids. And every kid's going to be different, of course, but I know you have some things like with your son about the transitions and, and things that you did that were really made a difference. So can you share a couple of just a couple with us? Yeah. And that's, that's one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite stories was very pivotal, but um, yeah, we had a hard time transitioning from Legos and I was convinced he just doesn't want to stop playing Legos. I mean, right? That's what... I mean, who does? Who does, right? <laughs> and when I got curious about it and asked him in a moment where we weren't in crisis of trying to get to, you know, whatever activity we needed to get into the car to go to, you know, and I asked him, why is that hard? And he thought about it and he said, Mom, um, I'm afraid I'm not going to know where to start again. Uh, I don't, you know, I need to find my stopping point. And, you know, I say this to parents, it's not in a way having the child take, you're not having, giving them contr control. You are giving them a voice. You're teaching them how to communicate and you're teaching them time management, right? So you are still the guide. You're still the mentor. You're still 
the authority in this, but you're coming alongside your child and you're saying, this is hard for you. Help me understand why. And then let's think together, heads together to come up with a solution. And this is actually grounded. I, I want to give, you know, this resource. It's grounded in the work of Dr. Ross Green. He started out by writing a book for schools, which I wish actually more would implement <laughs> uh, because we would have a lot less uh school to prison pipeline and we'd have a lot less suspensions going on um uh, you know i'm not against consequences but at the same time you know arbitrary is arbitrary um and not getting to the root he wrote an excellent book but then he wrote for parents as well and it's called the explosive child but it also goes for the implosive child which means that they're internalizing their frustrations and it's basically unsolved problems so Get curious with your child. Ask them, why is this hard for you? Don't expect it to get solved the first time. It's a process. And be patient with yourself and with your child. Oh, my gosh. That's so key, you guys. And that not that parenting in a nutshell right there? It's a process. <laughs> it's a process. It's a journey. And that's homeschooling. And that's, I love, we go into way more detail. And Dr. Deanna talks about it in so so much great detail in the homeschool success mastery program if you're curious about that definitely reach out to me and um i can drop the link in there in the in the comments of our facebook group and youtube channel but if you have questions or you have specific um concerns or like i don't even know how i'm thinking about this whatever definitely reach out i can get you in touch with dr deanna if you're in our facebook group she's in there as well if you are in her um if you're watching this on youtube or if you're in our podcast it's all in the show notes notes as well. So make sure that you check that out. You can contact her directly. But uh, you guys, this has been so exciting. I This is something I feel like I've always wanted to cover and really need because it's a growing thing. And it's something that I just today have read at least five different posts from parents that pulled their kids out of of public school because of special needs, you know, not being addressed. And so you guys, there are resources out there and it's so important for you to have your thinking straight, but be very hopeful as well. And that's what I love. So thank you, Deanna, for sharing You're with welcome. us today. I really appreciate it. And you guys, we will talk to you next week with, we are about back with Brittany Young and talking about entrepreneurship. So I'm very excited. Join us next week. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're loving this information and want to connect with Cami live, join our Facebook group, the Freedom Scholar Homeschooling Community. Every Thursday in Live with Cami, you can get more great homeschool tips, how-tos, and resources, and get your questions answered. And subscribe to our newsletter to get your free ebook, Creating Educational Harmony in Your Home. See show notes for the links. Hope to see you live. This is an informational podcast. The information presented in each episode is the most recent and honest to the best of the presenter's ability. Results are not guaranteed. This podcast aims to educate and there are no guarantees of results implied. Listeners are encouraged to seek out and meet their local homeschool requirements. Any products, websites, and company names mentioned in this podcast are their respective owner's trademarks or copyright properties. The presenter is not associated or affiliated with them in any way unless otherwise stated. Nor does the referred product, website, or company necessarily sponsor, endorse, or approve this podcast. 
We hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. This content is copyrighted and not authorized for reproduction.